I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Now, when it comes to ups and downs, everybody's always like, time and you have to be balanced, you have to be balanced. Now, I believe that I'm very balanced mostly because I just watch wrestling and react to it in the moment. But given what we did on Raw Ups and Downs, that's right, I have made myself a member of the House of Black. One, maybe don't tell Malachi Black because he'd probably come and kill me. And also two, I know what you're doing. Stop sitting at your computer or television device going, ha ha, Simon, you look more like a panda. Well, as Kevin Owens said this week, pandas are awesome. But enough with the nonsense, enough with the silliness and enough with the shenanigans. None of that is true the next 20 minutes it's going to be completely ludicrous hello i am sorry for what culture aew did just have another dynamite show so we gotta take the finger of power and give the good bits an up and the bad bits are down So we had quite the situation to start Dynamite this week because it was Scorpio Sky versus Wardlow for the TNT title in a street fight and naturally somebody had to win. However, when you took a step back and looked at it, Scorpio Sky hasn't really been given that much time with the belt. So a bit of you was like, well, I don't really want to see him lose it. But on the other hand, we are in the middle of the super mega digger push for Wardlow. So you've got to see it through. I'm going to presume that's why we had the stipulation in place, though, because there could be a bunch of nonsense including Dan Lambert and the American top team at one point just rushing the ring. They were like, we don't really appreciate how this is going. Everybody attack. Now this did come after Wardlow had hit this awesome senton, so maybe they were like, he's so big, how did he do it? And then, yeah, when they were in the ring, they went back to being James Bond henchmen. Like one guy went, another guy went. As if their strategy backstage was, well, at one point, we will get in the ring and then we can attack individually. Yep. I can't think of another way to do it. It led to this awesome near fall because from nowhere, Sky had the TNT Championship and he smashed Wardlow right in the head. And I'm not going to lie, I bit on that one, but Wardlow kicked out a 2.999. And then he pulled down his straps, he hit the Powerbomb Symphony, and that was it. Wardlow was a TNT Champion. So I do admit I thought this would go a little bit longer and the finish did kind of come out of nowhere, but it was the right result. Corpio Sky is protected to a certain degree. And now we should have in mind Wardlow becoming the AEW World Champion at some point in the future. Oh. Some people were also annoyed with this too, although that's what Twitter told me, because they felt like in the aftermath, Wardlow didn't get a big celebration. 
But I actually disagree, and it kind of felt to me like AEW had learned from their past mistakes. Because there was fireworks, there was pyro, there was actual flames, we had confetto. Wardlow was like, oh man, I did it. I realised I just said confetto, but I preferred that word. So I'm going to stick with it. So to me, this felt like a moment. It made me like Wardlow more. Well, I got no problem with it. During this match too, I spotted Kip Sabian in the front row. And if you don't know, you can go back and watch it. He is in the northeast corner of your screen, wearing a box on his head. <laughs> Excuse me box-like structure. And as he has been doing this for a while, I decided to start Box Watch. That's about it, really. I mean, if you turn up to an AEW show and you too wear a box-like structure on your head, I'll probably accidentally identify you. That's that. We've done it now, and there's no going back. We then cut to John Moxley, who was in the back, and he was all angry, because, of course, later on, he's going to be taking on Brody King in our main event, and the AEW Championship is on the line. He doesn't care that Brody is a monster because he's a monster too. Because go look what he did at Blood and Guts where he cut a bunch of people's faces up. And I was like, John, this is not a normal thing to say. Then you also finished by saying you either step up or get stepped on. That's not necessarily true. I don't want to get too off track here. But there are some people that really enjoy being stepped on. You know what? Let's not talk about it. We then had one of these random AEW moments because Tony Nese and Mark Sterling would stomp around backstage trying to get people to sign a petition that would have Swerve Strickland removed from the roster. I mean, here they even asked Keith Lee to sign it, but I actually quite like this because, of course, Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland have been having problems recently. So Tony Nese and Mark Sterling thought they could capitalize on this. And Keith was just like, nah, maybe you should focus on your own careers because you both suck. So we are playing all of that well. It just needs a little bit more focus, which I think it's about to get. And out came Christian Cage and Luchasaurus, who in many ways are the highlight of the show right now. We were all ready to find out why the dinosaur had decided to stick around with Cage 2 when Matt Hardy interrupted. And I was like, damn it, Matt. I want to know what's going on. With that said, this was awesome, especially because Christian Cage and Matt Hardy have such history together. <laughs> the first thing that Matt said was, you're like the Michael Jordan of being an asshole. I don't know why that made me laugh, but it did. He was also doing this because he's gotten to know Jungle Boy over the last few months, and he doesn't believe he deserves such treatment. And once again, Christian started to tease, you don't know Jungly Jim. Nobody knows Jungly Jim apart from me. And one day all this information is going to come out and everyone's going to understand. We also know that as of late, Cage has been a little bit crazy. So he follows this up by saying, Matt, you better shut up because you are starting to make your brother sound like the sober one. I was like, oh my gosh, we are walking this tightrope. Matt shrugged that off and tried to tell Luchasaurus he's only using you for the money. And then we had such a smart line because it got rid of a potential plot hole when Hardy said, look, I know all about this. I did it to the Butcher and the Blade. I did it to the private party and I massively regret it now. So don't make the same mistakes I did. Now, I imagine another reason that Matt Hardy does regret it is because he's not getting a discount on his meat. But that's a different story for a different day. Christian wasn't dumb because he said Matt just has a massive ego to the point he'll even drag his family into this if it makes headlines. It's my stupid laugh again. Because I have to say this out loud. Because Christian then decided to go that he doesn't even care about his brother's problems. And that's why he was happy to ride his coattails if it meant he would get some success. Taxi, I want to go. Matt Hardy then tried to attack Cage, but I think he forgot that he had a six foot five dinosaur by his side. My word. He wrecked Matthew. He threw him into Rita the ring post. He chokeslammed him through Timmy the timekeeper's table. 
and then Christian and Luchasaurus just walked off and I was like, well, they are pretty good heels. I really do think this new alliance is awesome too and the presentation is fantastic to the point, if from nowhere, and this wouldn't make any sense, Christian became the AW World Champion, I'd be like, yeah, good, because it just plugs into this, giving it up. And I know, I know this really did push the line here, but I said it when WWE did it, and I now say it that AEW has done it. As long as everybody involved has said, yes, that's fine, yes, that's fine, I don't think it's any of my business. Don't get me wrong, it makes me do backflips in my tum-tum because I can't believe it. But to me, they're your issues, and they're your to deal with. Had a quick recap of Blood and Guts after this, and all I want you to do is go on social media and find the Matt Menard promo that he cut because it's absolutely fantastic. Angelo Parker did a brilliant one as well. I'm just so happy to see these two guys killing it right now because they were so good and nobody realizes, and now finally, everybody can see. We also saw Claudio and Jake Hagar looking at each other backstage, so that was a massive wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Although, Jake was a massive child here, because he was all like, oh man, you don't have any friends, and I'm more hard than you are. Claudio did a little thing with his face when he said that. <laughs> he made a penis joke. He also threw in that Claudio had never won a world title, and yes, he said WWE here. So Castagnoli was like, yeah, I'm done with this. You're already boring. Why don't we have a match next week? That's what we're going to do. And then Swerve in our glory was on Dynamite. Give it to me. They were also taking on the Butcher and the Blade. So I was just having a great time because I love all these four guys. And the Blade had a really interesting plan because he had decided I'm going to go into that ring and I'm going to slap Keith Lee right across the face. And if you think that this was a success, you are hugely mistaken. Butcher then tagged in, but he got beeled off the second rope. And he was so mad, he went to get a chair, but the Blade had to talk him out of it. And that's not good for PR, because damn it, they've got a business to run. This is when we did switch to the Swerve and the Blade. And yes, there was a little bit of miscommunication here, but flub me sideways. They're humans, it happens. And after the bunny had cast distraction, her boys were able to take control. This was mostly so we could build to the hot tag for Keith Lee, and he murked everyone, but man, that included Swerve, who accidentally got caught up in it. This also tied into the bigger picture, which was making you think the Butcher and the Blade were going to win, but they didn't, and instead Swerve just booted the Butcher right in the face and then looked at Lee as if he was really disappointed. But then they did hit their top rope finish, and they got the one, two, three. But you could just see, not all is harmonious here, and the split is probably coming. Naturally, Powerhouse Hobbs and Ricky Starks were out straight after this because they feel disrespected and I totally get that. They've been asking for a match for 67 years, and they still haven't got it. Starks was especially enraged, and just as he was about to go off, the Young Bucks came out. I was like, what the hell is going on? Now, they put over the whole tag team division, but also reminded them who's top of the tree right now. And they were referring to themselves, the Young Bucks. Bless these two as well, because Nick Jackson also mentioned that at Double or Nothing, these two teams have been involved in a tag team match when they got four and a half stars in the Wrestling Observer. But when Matt and Nick get four and a half stars, they consider it an off night. So these two are just my absolute favorites. And they also went on to say, didn't you lose to the Jurassic Express that night? You did. And what did we do soon after? We beat them. We the best. Matt then made this very easy and said, next week we should have a triple threat match for the championships. And the whole time, the crowd was chanting FTR. So those boys are over. This is really cool though. And I presume in that match, you can have the implosion between Swerve and Keith Lee. So we can go off in that direction. The Young Bucks will win, which will lead us to the Young Bucks versus FTR part three, I believe. And what we do with Team Taz, I don't know. But we should do something because they're so damn good. I liked all of this. 
up. Just the coolest vignette with the House of Black after this. I'm not going to pretend otherwise. I have no idea what Malachi Black was talking about, but when it was done, I was like, oh man, Brody King is going to kill John Moxley in the main event. He kind of did. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. And speaking of people who do enjoy going out for death, here was Eddie Kingston for an interview. Now, Tony Giovanni wanted to talk about Chris Jericho, but before that, Ed was in a good mood, so he just wanted to say, well done, Wardlow, for winning the TNT title, and well done to my team for winning at Blood and Guts, even Claudio. So we're going to have to see what happens with that. As soon as he was done with that, though, he did turn his attention to Christopher, and he's all like, you didn't bleed last week, and I really need you to make you bleed your own blood. So sometime in the future, I'm going to do just that. Once again, I was like, Kingston, you can't say these things, you get arrested. The wizard then appeared on the big screen, and it's where I did get a little bit confused. As he was backstage with his Appreciation Society, anti Conte, and they had tracked Ruby Soho by a car. And as soon as her hand was in the right place, they slammed the door shut. So they basically destroyed her finger device. No, I know that sucks and you shouldn't be doing that. But I did have a brief moment where I was like, why Jack her Appreciation Society attacking Ruby Soho to try and wind up Eddie Kingston? Now, I did go and do some research, and sure, before Blood and Guts in the video package, we did hint at this, and there have been a few other videos, but I kind of think if you're trying to create an angle that makes you go, oh, no, I can't believe it, my poor heart is pouring out of my face, you should make it abundantly clear that they have a history, which they do. Now, I'm not saying that you go the other way. One of my favorite things about AEW is that they keep everything really subtle and they allow you to see it without sticking it right into your face. I think on this one, it was just a little bit too reserved. So I didn't really connect with this until I did do a Google and I saw a few people on the internet saying the same thing. So really, it's just a time situation. I mean, we have a big roster and we only have three hours a week. But if there could have just been something a little bit more, aside from the fact that Ruby Soho did run out to beat up Ty Conte last week, well, I just think that would have been better. And for everything I've just said, it's got to get it down. And then the Dark Order came out. <laughs> love and love these guys. This was all brought about given the fact that we were in Rochester, the hometown of the late great Brody Lee. And at first, the Dark Order were all like, oh, we can't do this anymore. We're going to split up. And I was like, damn it, dudes. You can't do this to me. When Evil Uno told us no, we together forever. So I was like Vince McMahon when Bret Hart decided to stay with the WWF. I was all like, all right, all right. And Negative One was out here too. And I tell you, that guy is just special. He was about to talk into the microphone too when QT Marshall interrupted. And I swear, this episode of Dynamite was just full of lines that made you go, oh my gosh, I can't believe he said that. 
Because he was all like, we all know Brody Lee is a legend, but you take after your mother. So I had to go lay down after all of this. And Marshall also said he wanted to fight Negative One. And just as when it looked like he was going to beat him up, Hangman Adam Page's music hit. And the Cowboy and the rest of the Dark Order just beat the crap out of QT when Negative One got the mic and said, well, I could pin you. But actually, I'm going to wait till I'm 19 years old. And I tell you, talk about feeling all warm and fuzzy with the tum-tum. This was absolutely tremendous, and it is getting it up. It also puts everything into perspective. Let's just watch wrestling to enjoy ourselves. And sometimes it's good, and sometimes it's not so good, and sometimes it makes sense, and sometimes it doesn't make sense. But does it matter? No, it does not. Wrestling forever. And speaking of just enjoying wrestling, the next match was Roosh versus Penta, and it was ludicrous. I mean, they started with chops, which is the equivalent of having a salad before you stick some pizza up your ass. What? And then there was Topecon Heroes, these double headbutts, which were just stupid, and this rising knee that I actually thought killed someone. And after this, there was just so many moves, I cannot stand here and recount them all to you, because I don't type quick enough. And believe you me, people have said, Simon, you're the fastest typer in the West. But I couldn't keep up. It was this great bit too when Roosh went for a drop kick, but Penta was able to cut him off and hit the fear factor. And he would have won this if it wasn't for those meddling kids, or more specifically Andrade, who grabbed Roosh's foot and put it on the rope. The referee didn't see it. Around this time too, we had Alex Abrahantes and Jose fighting as well. I was like, why the hell not, eh? All the fans enjoyed it, and then we went back to the ring, and it was just flips, flops, dives, here, there's, and everywheres. I'm just like, <laughs> I'm never going to be this good at wrestling. As the ref was all confused too, Roosh whacked Penta right in the balls, so that's going to hurt his testicles. And he tried to tear the mask off Penta's face, which he had been doing throughout the match. And then he applied the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment, the surprise roll-up. And he beat Penta, but my word, what a dick. So these two really are talented. And even here, you could tell they were only going like 85%. Imagine when they do it again and they get up to 100. It's going to be silly, silly stuff. We then learned it is going to be Samoa Joe versus Jay Lethal for the Ring of Honor TV title at their next pay-per-view. And Lethal and his crew were backstage here going, Oh, Joe, we're going to take your championship. When Tony Nese and Mark Sterling were still trying to get more signatures. This time they found the best friends who basically ignored them until Dan Housen arrived because I think he smelled money and then started acting like he was some kind of lawyer. The point of it all, though, is that we are going to get Nice versus Orange Cassidy on Rampage. And if the piece of fruit loses, he has to sign the petition. And that is one of the more unique stipulations I've heard for a while. Therefore, I will love it. I don't think somebody went, we should book Dynamite for Simon Miller. I mean, they didn't do this, but that's how it felt. Because not only were the Acclaim versus the Gun Club teaming up one more time, but they were taking on Bear Country, Leon Ruff and Fuego Del Sol. Even better still, I think we referred to Leon Ruff and Bear Country as Ruffin' It. That was the clapping like a seal. Oh, I'm so happy. The fallout between the guns and the acclaimed out is now reaching a fever pitch because when Max Caster was going to do his rap, the guns stole the microphone and during the match as well. Oh my gosh, they couldn't get on at all. And I was like, damn it, guys, you've got to get it together. The tag klaxon also went off super early here. I mean, I think everybody was in the ring in around about 30 seconds. And it ended when Max Caster hit his big elbow drop. And Austin had made the blind tag, so he was able to get the pin. Understandably, the came were pissed. Now, we also have to point out that Anthony Bowens was wrestling here, so his leg is fixed and he's back in action, which was awesome. And after this, the Gun Club and the Acclaimed just started fighting each other. Now, thankfully, oh, Daddy Billy Gunn was here to calm things down. But then out of nowhere, he beat up Max Caster. 
was devastated. Bowens then stood up to him and he was all like, scissor me, daddy, scissor me. And it looked like Billy was going to scissor him. And I was like, oh, thank goodness, we're going to get a scissoring. But instead, he hit him with the Famouser and he realigned himself with his boys. And I call revenge. So seriously, while you could see this coming from a mile away, it was executed brilliantly. And I want this feud more than I want my hair to grow back. They've just done such a good job with it. And they've made me care, damn it. Getting it up. Had a Miro video after this. And he went after Malachi Black. Ooh, he said that Black is somebody who preys on the floor. But as he is flawless, when they do meet, he's absolutely going to kick his ass. So I need Miro back in a ring tomorrow. And as I will always say, until the day I die, do I want him to become AEW World Champion? Absolutely. This was a packed Dynamite 2 as we were right into our next match, which was Nyla Rose and Marina Shafir taking on Thunder Rosa and Tony Storm, who are now known as Thunderstorm. Now, I was a little bit disappointed here. I really wanted AEW to go with Tony Rosie. So, surprisingly, the Weather Friends were really good, given that it was their first ever tag team match. I mean, they were doing frequent tags and they were cutting off the ring. And at some point, Nyla Rose got annoyed because she hadn't been tagged in. So she got an umbrella and she just whacked Tony Storm with it. I'm not going to explain this to you. Either you get it or you don't. But goofy wrestling for life. Rosa soon got the hot tag, which makes all the sense in the world because she is the AEW Women's Champion. But then Nyla cut her off with the Uranage when Marina was back and she gave her a pump handle slam. And that was teasers and earful, but this is when Tony Storm was back into it. And she started busting out DDTs. I've said it before and I will say it again. I just love how much she loves that move. She followed up with a hip attack and after last week, I'm never talking about that move again because RIP my mentions. And this is when Thunderstorm hit a double Thunderfire driver from the top rope. They got the win. That's a bit like, man, we should give these people the tag team titles, even though that doesn't actually exist. I also want to point out as well that everything Nyla Rose does is just funny entertaining. And I mean that in a good way. Like even her moves and her mannerisms, she just totally gets it and she's great. And there is also problems with the baddies already. I mean, what was this? Four weeks? Come on. But Jay Cardgill was upset with Stokely Hathaway because he had allowed Layla Gray in the group. But as Stokes said, wait a minute. Do you know how hard it is to turn someone after you have beaten them up and get them in the group? That takes something special. By the way, I am that special person. Jade reluctantly agreed to all of this, but also said if Grey does fail, it's going to be Hathaway's ass. So I quite like this. It's layered. And the best part about the baddies is when you go through all of their names, they're basically the X-Men. We then got a couple more backstage skits after this because there was just so many. And this including Daniel Garcia confirming that he will be taking on Wheeler Utah at the Ring of Honor pay-per-view. And that we're also going to get FTR versus the Briscoes round two. That show's going to be pretty good. Which did indeed bring us to our main event, and you already know the deal. No, nobody actually thought that Brody King was going to become the AEW World Champion. So we have to come up with something here that made you go, well, maybe, just maybe. And I wouldn't necessarily we got there, but it was still flipping good. This was mostly due to the fact it was the most intense thing ever, with Brody King being this, like, unstoppable force where nothing would hurt him. To the point, he threw John Moxie into Barry the Barricade, and gave him a suplex on a rampway. This was mostly due to the fact it was the most intense thing ever, and Brody was like some kind of a movable wall that could not be hurt, including when he grabbed Jonathan and threw him into Barry Barricade, and then gave him a back body drop on the ring our way. This meant John felt like he needed to go after the legs because King is a big guy, but this didn't work at all, because he got absolutely wrecked with the black hole slam, 
If it wasn't for Brody missing his running cannonball, he would have done a lot better. This allowed Mox to bite his face, which will never be a normal thing to do, but the absolute best bit was after this, he started laying in all these strikes and Brody King just retaliated with this lariat that took his neck off and then he spiked him with the power driver. And once again, I didn't believe we were going to get a one, two, three. But it was just a really good match. What I really enjoyed is that we went back to doing the hangman spot from last week that we did with Darby Allen. And if you didn't see that, this is when Brody takes his opponent, chokes them, stands on the apron, and literally dangles their legs in midair. So he is quite literally trying to kill them. And he gets bored, so he goes, nah, and he drops them to the floor. There was a great tease when Brody went for his driver, but Moxie reversed it into the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment for a close near two. But given that didn't work, he took his elbow, he tried to destroy his skull, and then he locked in the bulldog choke. King was too big though, so he started to fight his way out of this, but John is a smart champion, so he was like, well, if it fails once, I'll try twice, and if it fails twice, I'll try three times. So he kept going back to it, and it doesn't matter how much of a monster you are, you can't breathe, you're gonna die. Brody King passed out, the referee had to call it, John Moxley wins. So this was a really great showing for Brody King, which is the best you could have got out of it. But I will say one day in one of these random television matches, somebody is going to have to get the victory. But that would have been stupid on this evening. And it's getting it up. Which brings us to the end of another AEW Dynamite. And I thought this was a hell of a lot of fun. I thought it was superb. Plus, there was a bunch of goofy wrestling. Long live goofy wrestling. L-L-G-W. Up. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.